1: My name is Amy Stermer. I am a pharmacist and co-owner with my husband of Medicine Man Bonners Ferry Pharmacy in Bonners Ferry, Idaho. We're an independent retail pharmacy. And we purchased the Rapid Pack RX in July of last year and it has been a great time saver for us. We were able to cut pharmacist time and tech time in half, even more so in some cases. we've really enjoyed having it a lot of our patients are telling all their friends and family about the rapid pack program our pouching service and so we're getting a lot of word of mouth from it and in a lot of cases these patients are new patients to us they're transferring in which has been a great source of new patients and income to our pharmacy. We're also able to add supplements to their pack um, to help us get the margin on those instead of sending them to other businesses. So that helps us to keep the patient healthy and still get the profits from those supplements. And a lot of times the patients that are started on our pouching service end up getting a lot of medications discontinued due to their adherence. It's been really nice to see them get healthier and happier and just everything getting easier. Our previous solution wasn't working for us. It took a lot of extra time to uh, both fill the cassettes and verify them. So this has been a huge time saver and we're able to get it done in in half the time. We're able to get a visual verification, which has been really helpful, so that if I need to look back on previous pouching history that I can verify everything was done correctly and help the patient through all of that. And we just have a lot of happy patients with it.
0: If you're a pharmacy owner and are interested in increasing profits while helping your patients stay compliant on their medications, reach out to the RxSafe team. Visit rxsafe.com. That's rxsafe.com.
1: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
2: This is the PGX for Pharmacists podcast. We believe pharmacists are the best positioned providers to lead in PGX. Pharmacogenomics is the study of how genes affect a person's response to drugs. This relatively new field combines pharmacology and genomics to develop effective, safe medications and doses that will be tailored to a person's genetic makeup. This podcast is dedicated to pharmacists with an interest in learning more about the data analytics, industry trends, and evidence-based usage of pharmacogenomics. Welcome to PGX for Pharmacists, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
3: You're listening to the PGX for Pharmacists podcast, whose parent network, the Pharmacy Podcast Network, is dedicated to exploring the pharmacy profession and the pharmacy industry. On the PGX for Pharmacists podcast, we discuss all things pharmacogenomics, and our mission is to educate and advocate for pharmacogenomics. For those listeners who do not know my qualifications to speak on PGX, I have been a PharmD for 23 years this May, and I have 22 years of experience in the pharmacy industry directing pharmacy operations and clinical pharmacy programs whose missions were to improve medication safety and efficacy. For the last 7.5 years, I've worked in the pharmacogenomics industry as a pharmacogenomics clinical science and clinical implementation liaison as well as a certified pharmacogenomics educator. I've provided pharmacogenomics consulting to pharmacogenomics laboratories, prescribers, patients, software companies, insurers, and employers. I am also the host of the PGX for Pharmacists podcast. So thanks for joining me today for the second in a series of podcast episodes about including pharmacogenomics in the education of all PharmD students. Have you ever wondered how first year students in a PharmD program would respond to immersive pharmacogenomics training? Today's episode continues our exploration of the pharmacogenomics program at the Gatton College of Pharmacy that provides all first year students with free pharmacogenomics testing coordinated with biochemistry coursework. For this educational project, David Hurley has surveyed the students before and after receiving their training and test results. The surveys indicate how personal PGX profiling at this early stage provides a foundation for subsequent clinical PGX inclusion in the curriculum. So let's proceed. Democratizing pharmacogenomics education for the first year PharmD student is a specialty of our guest today, Dr. David Hurley. As a biochemistry professor, At the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy at East Tennessee State University, Dave immerses pharmacy students with PGX training and testing in their first semester of the curriculum. In the previous episode of this podcast, we discussed how he has accomplished this task. In today's episode, we will discuss student attitudes and interest in this training based on the pre and post surveys he has collected from these students. So Dave, Thank you so much for joining me again today to continue discussing this very important topic in pharmacogenomics. Before looking at the survey data, please give us a brief overview of how pharmacogenomics training occurs at the Gatton College of Pharmacy.
4: Well, you're very much welcome, Becky, and thanks for having me again on the podcast. In brief, all our students at Gatton College of Pharmacy receive a free pharmacogenomics profile and training in their first semester of their first year. After they consent for the testing, the entire class then participates in collecting cheek swabs together at a group lab session in August. Then they have 14 hours of classroom lectures from me on the basics of pharmacogenomics in my biochemistry course during October and September and October. And then finally, all the students participate in a second lab to go through a guided review of their own PGX results from the one ohm right med test during November.
3: That sounds terrific. Do you survey the students about their knowledge of pharmacogenomics before or after the testing?
4: Well, Becky, we actually do surveys uh, both before and after. After being asked to consent to the testing, those who do consent are asked to respond to surveys that consist of about 17 multi-part questions. Primarily, the surveys will provide information on how the students are understanding the material, indicating what material and teaching methods have a strong impact on them. There are also some insights from what information is engaging to the students, and what may be emphasized more strongly in the clinical curriculum. At this point, I'd like to mention that all these surveys of this educational research project have been approved annually by the University RRB. All the results remain confidential and are for educational, not clinical use.
3: Yes, that's an important part of the preparation of this process. With all this background, you ready to dive into the survey data that we've all been waiting to hear?
4: <laughs> well, let's, since you, you put know, it so nicely, let's go ahead and dive in. Yes, let's um, do it. Excellent, okay. Several of the initial survey questions ask about the demographics and prior genomics training of our students. So to get to the numbers, in the three years that we have been performing this program, that end in fall of 2020, there have been 210 student participants. Their median age was 22, with a range from 19 to 45 years old. 81% of the students are of of, uh, self-identified Caucasian ethnicity, 9% are Asian American, 6% are African American, and 3% are Hispanic. The young age range was expected because not all students at Gatton are required to have a deg- degree prior to admission. And similarly, with the college's regional emphasis and recruiting that occurs predominantly within a 100-mile radius of the college, the low-ethnic university is not unexpected. The students then responded about their training prior to entering pharmacy school. 43% of them had bachelor's degrees. had more advanced degrees, 17% had associate's degrees, and 35% reported that they had only completed undergraduate coursework. 40% of the respondents indicated that they had completed a genetics course at some point in their training. And again, this distribution was what was expected because there's no requirement for a degree for admission to our college. In sum then, when I look at the class that I'll be training, less than half of the students have taken genetics prior to the course. This overall level of preparation must therefore be taken into account when I'm preparing the lectures on pharmacogenomics. The classroom content needs to be staged so that all the students can grasp material regardless of their prior training. Because it's my privilege to be able to teach all of the lectures in biochemistry, I can sequence them to build from simplest first principles. This sequencing ensures that all the students can progress regardless of their background. By the time we enter the pharmacogenomics block of material, the lectures begin with the molecular building blocks of the central dogma of molecular biology and then move into the more sophisticated topics of pharmacogenomics.
3: That makes absolute sense. I approach my students in the same manner, wanting to know about their background so that I know how to shape the education that I'm going to provide them on pharmacogenomics. So since we've seen a snapshot of the students that enter your classroom in the fall, the variability in prior student preparation, um, like I said, it matches what I have seen, uh, varying degrees of genetics experience. And like you said, it is critical to address students at a level uh, or meet the students where they are. Is there anything else that you ask about in the pre-testing survey that might be interesting? Well, there,
4: yes, there is one important section that I wanna make sure to talk about. And in, before I talk about it, I wanna give credit to the author, Dr. Tim Wiltshire at the Eshelman College of Pharmacy at UNC Chapel Hill, the author of this survey. In this section, there are three questions about students' experience with medications, and these gave what I thought were interesting results. First, nearly half of the responding students indicated that they were currently taking a medication, including both OTC and herbal medications. Next, 36% of the students responded that at least one medication that they had taken previously was ineffective. And then finally, 60% of the students reported that they had experienced side effects from at least one medication that they had taken in their history. This seems to me to be very important information because it suggests that many students may be personally interested in how pharmacogenomic data provides guidance to find an effective drug that has minimal side effects. Based on the replies, the lectures now strongly emphasize using pharmacogenomics to increase drug efficacy and reduce side effects, building on these personal experiences of the students and helping to individualize their training in pharmacogenomics.
3: That's I love that approach. And I'm certainly going to steal that idea and add it to <laughs> my <laughs> add it to my program um, with my APPE students. Um, that additional layer of what medications may not have been effective for the student or which ones may have caused them side effects, um, because you're absolutely right. That that makes it more personal for them and, and makes them retain that knowledge more, I believe. so. What what else about the survey data? What about the um, post-training results? What are you seeing from the post-training?
4: Well, good enough. We're right on target and enough with all the preliminary pre-survey <laughs> data. Out of all the students' statements that the students reply to, I want to focus on just a few in the post-survey that are the same on both the pre and the post-surveys. And so these are statements that are designed to query the students about their attitudes about pharmacogenomics before and after the training in order to gauge the impact of what we're doing. The first statement that they're queried with is, I am confident in my ability to understand the results of pharmacogenomic testing. Now, prior to the course, 28% of the replies indicated strong agreement, but 10% of the students disagreed strongly with this statement, that they had no confidence in their ability. After the training in the course and getting their own pharmacogenomic profile, the strong agreement group increased to over 50%, and no one disagreed with the statement at all. So student attitudes indicated that the training strongly increased their confidence in pharmacogenomics. And because this was one impetus, of course, for this training, this is seen as a validation of the training process itself. In the next statement, students were asked to indicate their agreement with the statement, I am familiar with pharmacogenomic resources. Now, prior to the course, one third of the students agreed with this statement. One third were neutral and one third disagreed, saying that, again, they did not have any idea about pharmacogenomic resources. Now, this is a reasonable distribution given that very few of the students had any pharmacogenomic training. Fortunately, after the course was complete, a full 86% of the students agreed or strongly agreed with this statement, and none disagreed about the use of pharmacogenomic resources. Again, this increase in student uh, perception of their abilities shows that the lectures and the exercises on using pharmacogenomic information and resources were effective. It is my hope that this confidence in student use of online information, such as CPIC and PharmGKB, will actually allow the students to continue as lifelong learners of pharmacogenomics throughout their careers and continue their success. A third and final statement was, I would recommend the use of pharmacogenomic testing to manage therapy prospectively. After training for the one semester, over 97% of the students now replied that they would indeed recommend pharmacogenomic testing. This was a change in over 33% of the students from the initial survey, and again provides a wholehearted endorsement of the impact of the training during the semester.
3: Wow, those post-training and pre-training responses just illuminate the efficacy of the program at Gatton. I just love. I find it interesting that so many student attitudes um, changed over just the period of a semester. And what I'm even more excited about is that it's happening so early in their farm D education. Um, your findings confirm that the the validity of using this combination of classroom and the lab for PGX education early in the curriculum um, has a an impact on these students in an early stage. And, and that's, that's really where we need to be with pharmacogenomics education.
4: Yeah, I'm very glad that things did work out so well. And I wanna reiterate that uh, with this fall semester's incoming class, we will now, after the semester, have all of our students in the pharmacy school knowing their pharmacogenomics profile for the first time. So I'm looking at four years of students who will be progressing with this information. I'm very proud of that. If I may, I wanna close with one final result that we have found from the surveys. When the students were asked at the end of the semester, would you add more time for pharmacogenomic training to the entire curriculum? Over half of the class asked for more pharmacogenomics training. Now, remember, these are students at the end of only their first semester courses, which include things like calculations, physiology, drug development, and pharmaceutics. So even though they haven't been equated with pharmacogenomics for long, they now believe they should be incorporated throughout the curriculum rather than in one single course. And that, I believe, is the most important finding of this three years, now going on four years worth of work, that we need to have pharmacogenomics early and often in the curriculum.
3: Absolutely, David. You, you and I are both proponents of pharmacogenomics education, making it personal for the learner, and advocating for um, pharmacogenomics education. Um, so we've covered a lot of material here today, so we're going to wrap things up. How would you summarize all of the survey data in just one brief paragraph?
4: Okay. Well, this data provides important guidelines for a meaningful pharmacogenomic program for pharmacy students. We all agree that there's a great need to give more pharmacists more experience with pharmacogenomics. The training program that we have here at the Gatton College of Pharmacy, using the first semester of the first year, is now providing experiences that foster positive student attitudes about pharmacogenomics throughout the entire four years of the curriculum. In fact, the results show that students ask for examples during their clinical training when they see pharmacogenomics from the start.
3: That's that's so well put, David. Um, what a valid summary of your work so far. I too strongly agree that PGX needs to be a part of every pharmacist training and in every school of pharmacy. Um, And it's so useful to see your template that you've proven with over 200 participants. So I really appreciate, David, you coming back for a second episode um, and being on the podcast today. I really hope that um, we'll have the opportunity maybe to record another podcast where, you know, we might dig deeper into what you're doing. Maybe talk with some of your students, maybe talk about future, you know, where are you guys going to go um, with your pharmacogenomics education and um, anything that we can do to promote pharmacogenomics in the pharmacy school curriculums. Is there anything you'd like to close with today, including how people can reach you to gain more information?
4: Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. First of all, I want to thank my uh, faculty collaborators here at the Gatton College of Pharmacy, Dr. Sam hare and Victoria Palau, who have allowed me to do this with their input as well. And I also wish to credit the work of all of the uh, students in the fourth year who were on an APPE and worked with me and provided enthusiasm. These students were Jeff Sondergaard, Lillian Rolfe, Amber Johnson, Tucker, Ensley Mallory Tucker, Morgan Lockhart, and Ashley Lau. And then I want to thank you, Becky, for hosting me for this episode. And hopefully we will get to do another one in the future. And if anyone needs to contact me at any time, please use my email, D at etsu.edu that's h-u-r-l-e-y-d at etsu.edu i look forward to hearing
2: from you and i'd be glad to talk about this with anybody who's interested thanks for your interest in pgx and for spending some time with us please share this podcast and leave us a review on apple podcasts or spotify for all of our episodes please visit pgx4rx.com That's PGX4RX.com.